0: So one of my most memorable um, things that happened to me when I was a, a younger guy, I was about 12 years old, I was, um, I was hanging out with the wrong crowd, Pastor Raymond, and um, <laughs> <laughs> he's here, so I decided to do that, um, yeah, 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 so I was hanging out with the wrong crowd, and I got left back. Right. Anybody here ever experienced the indignities of getting left back? Yeah. 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 I mastered it. I did it a few times. So um, I got left back in the seventh grade and I had to go to summer school. Right. So I had to go to summer school in order to get the credits that I needed in order to go into the next grade. Well, I did that. I, I went to summer school and I had this teacher, this teacher that I was always late for. But he was a, he was such a great teacher. And so he he just like, you know, uh, taught the class. and and actually took an interest in me, and nobody took an interest in me, but he took an interest in me, and he gave me a book to read, etc. and he said, yo, this will be helpful to you, blah, blah, blah. Well, at the last day of summer school, you get a report card, and they write. They write what they think about you, the teachers. You know, Edwin, is, you know, Edwin has potential, but, you know, he's a lazy bum, or whatever it is that they write, right? But this teacher, this teacher wrote... Edwin is brilliant. Like, that's a word he used. Edwin is brilliant. Edwin has untapped, untapped potential that we saw glimpses of during this class and should be easily promoted. It was like one of the most, it's like, you know, a couple of lines. Now, it's been at least 10 years since the seventh grade for me, right? At least. I can't remember his name, but I can't forget his words. Today we're going to be talking about words. Words that we can use to build someone up or tear someone down. Isn't it true that in your life, think about this, Isn't it true that some of the things that you remember, some of the things that you really strengthen, you encourage, you put steel in your bones are some of the authentic, beautiful words. And for some of us, for some of us, the reason we went in such a wrong direction, the reason that we went in such a bad path was because we had no one to say those kind words to us. I was reminded yesterday about how much how much power are in words. Um, uh, I was at the foster agency. My wife and I were renewing our foster our, our home is a foster home and we're renewing the um, you know every year you got to renew the foster thing and so the certification. Thank you. And so um, so we were there yesterday and we were doing our renewal and there was this uh, uh, this guy who worked in an agency, right? And he said that there was this woman. And it was a long, drawn-out story, but the, the, the essential is, is that she lost her kids. She, her husband died. She lost her job. She lost the kids. She went on a huge run, terrible run. A run that was ter- When I say terrible run, I mean that she went on a binge looking for and using drugs to the degree where they had to take her kids from her. This was in the 80s, and so... That's back when the kids could be in the system for years. These kids were in the system for seven years. That's how long her run was. That's a long crack run. And so um, she went, they sent her upstate. And it was all the way upstate. And then there was one of those um, 80s blizzards. Anybody remember the blizzards of the 80s? Yeah. Oh, my gosh. It was terrible. Like, you know, it's like four feet high. It was awful. It was awful. Well, it was one of those. And she managed. She did. She managed to get from all the way upstate to Brownsville (laughs) during a blizzard to cop and use. Why do I tell you that story? The reason I tell you that story is because the guy who was giving the presentation, he was her caseworker, and he said, and let's imagine her name was uh, Sue. He said, Sue, if you would just consider using the energy that you use to go from upstate to Brownsville, you could get your kids. You have it in you. You just gotta direct it differently. He didn't judge her. He didn't tell her where she was. She knew where she was. He told her where she could be. You know, that made all the change in the world for her. She eventually got her kids. I mean, it was a rough road and it was a tough patch, but you could see. And beloved, my desire for you today is that we would start seeing each other, not where we are, but where we could be, that we would start speaking to each other in words that would edify and build up. But you know, some of the places that you could get the most deeply hurt can be amongst the congregation of believers who need most desperately words. Kind words from God, kind words from each other, And so today we're going to focus on this. Now, during that, we have been looking at the book of James. We've started a series, it's called this is us and the reason that we called it this is us is because james is a pastor talking to a local congregation and they have just come to christ and he's trying to teach them how does one now live in the body of christ how does one now live that now that you are a part of the family how now shall we live this is us do we bring in our old cultures do we bring in our old traditions or do we come now to this new tradition of and the family of God? And so James says, this is how I want you to live, this is how I want you to be, this is how I want you to. So James is, throughout this chapter 4, which we've been on for a long time, agreed, it's been like a month, but James has a lot to tell us in chapter 4. And he's been saying, guys, the way you treat each other is a reflection of your love for God. Remember Remember what we said? We said that there's a way that we could, there's a way that we love God that God doesn't love. Remember we said that? That there's a way that you and I can behave towards one another in a way that could cut each other down. And God says, no, 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 don't you understand? That's a reflection of my relationship with you. You want to see where you're at with God? See where you're at with others. Then we talked about uh, last week um, that God gives more grace, that there are some things that God asks of us. And that to turn from sin and to delight in him and to rejoice with each other, that there are things that God asks us, but He never asks us to do anything that He doesn't give us the energy to do. that He doesn't give us the power to do He doesn't give us the will to do. And you go, but I don't have enough. And remember the illustration that we used, right, right? Right that, that, that grace is like ice cream, right? And that God gives more grace. you go, but I need. I need clean time grace. Oh, look, there's a scoop of that for you. And oh, no, 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 but I need marriage grace. Oh, look, there's another scoop for you with that. God gives more grace. And today, we're going to talk about what our speech ought to not be and how God gives us grace to not, not tell words. Isn't it terrible? Some of you have words that you literally live out today. You ain't nothing. You ain't never going to be nothing. You ain't never going to amount to nothing. you just stupid. You might as well not try because nothing good is ever going to happen for you. You have words, stupid and terrible, 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 terrible words that have been spoken over you. I'm telling you. I want you to hear God's word spoken over you, which is one of the reasons why we spend time in silence. I want that to go deep in you. I want God's word to just get, start penetrating and start fighting through the lies that you and I have embraced. But here's the thing. You and I can be used as a tool of Satan to further harm each other. And so... I want, this is the big idea for today. This is, this is all we're going to teach today. We only have two verses. And this is all we're going to teach. That backbiting discourages one another and dishonors God. Backbiting is just saying something wrong or bad about someone. Backbiting discourages one another and dishonors God. In your marriage... With your kids, with your friends, with your sponsor, with your support network, with your sponsees, backbiting discourages one another, and it dishonors God. So let's look at the text that we're going to look at. James chapter 4, verses 11 through 12 we st- we have a tradition in our church where we stand at the reading of God's word i would encourage you to stand backbiting discourages one another and dishonors god so let's look at these two verses now it's just two verses so If you are able to read, I want you to read this with me. If you are not able to read, you are in a room full of people who probably had the same problem and had to work on it, and we would love to be able to help you because we want to get you into God's word. So don't let that discourage you. We'll do this together, okay? So on the count of three, all together, okay? One, two, three. Brothers and sisters, do not slander one another. This is God's word. Please have a seat. So God has determined that your words would be used not to judge, not to slander, not to beat up upon, not to point out the fact that, but rather that your words would be used in such a way that your words would be used to lift someone up, not to tear them down, to bless someone, not to berate them, That your words would be used. You know, they did a a study um, in terms of uh, marriages, like what makes marriages go the distance. And so they studied uh, couples that were married together um, 50 years or more. That's a long time, right? 50 years or more. And so what they discovered, and you're going to be surprised about this. You're going to be surprised about this. The one thing that that... Uh, separated the couples who stood together for 50 years and the couples who didn't make it to 50. And I'm not talking about like your husband dies on year 43. I'm talking about like, you know, the people who had divorce amongst the people who actually made it and had a marriage that was uh, considered a joyful one. What is the difference? Here it is. You ready? It's one word. Sarcasm. Isn't that interesting? You know why? Because when you use your words, you know what sarcasm is? It's an insult wrapped in a joke. It's an insult. It's a, it's a, it's a, 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 like an evil burrito, right? If you can imagine an insult packed into a burrito of a joke, that's what sarcasm is. Why? Because your words have the power to tear down and to build up. Your words have the power to. Make someone feel like God is on their side and they can make it. Your words have power. And we can use them in such a way that our poor sons and daughters will be in therapy sessions not knowing how to respond to the words that we gave them. That we ourselves could be so devastated. It's powerful. I don't have to to belabor this. You've experienced this. Some of you have had words spoken to you that you live out. And it's not true. It's not true. It's not true. Brothers and sisters. So why? Why should we look not to slander each other? Here's the reason why. Brothers and sisters. We're brothers and sisters in Christ. Now that you and I have this relationship, and I love how he starts it off. He starts it off brothers and sisters and ends it off neighbors. Isn't that good? Yes. Brothers and sisters and neighbors. And by the way, James is referring to that text where Jesus talks about um, love your neighbor as yourself. That that should be the impetus for our lives, that our lives should be in, in a series of love. This morning, I told my wife, uh, I, and it's, you know, have you ever had anything that was funny in your head, but is not funny once it comes out of your mouth? Has that ever happened to you? Yeah. This morning, and I'm telling you, I'm coming in here to talk about words, and I just went, blah, 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 and she was like, oh, good night. And I was like, in that moment, I was like, oh, my goodness. I'm going to have to confess this. And so the point is, the point is, is that we could use words in a way that tear people down. But if there are brothers and sisters, we're looking to lift them up. We're family. One of the reasons why we don't speak bad of each other is because we're brothers and sisters Do not slander one another. Now, this is important because the word slander here, it's a tough translation. You know that the New Testament was written in Greek, yes? So the New Testament was written in Greek for the most part, and the Old Testament for the most part was written in Hebrew. Right. Okay. Now, that's important to know, because when you translate in order to unless you and I need to learn Greek, which is real tough. So what what God has done so beautifully is that he's translated his word into many different languages, English being one of them. Now, here's the point. This word slander always sounds like um, when you use the word slander, it's like saying it's like saying a lie about someone or stretching the truth. Like you're gossiping about them. You're saying, oh, you know so-and-so. And then you say something that's not true. And you say something that's not real. No, no, no. The word slander, it, in, the, in the original language, the, the word slander, it, it literally meant true or untrue negative talk. It's true or untrue. Like I might be 500 pounds and I might be super overweight. And, and, and it's just like terrible. And he's like, and, and you could say, Edwin, it's like he doesn't care about his body. He's just like, he's let himself go. Now, that might be true, but it's still slander. You know, you know Edwin, he's not as considerate. He seems like a hypocrite to me. You know, that might be true, but it's still slander. We're asked, listen to me, we're asked not to so much declare these things about each other because again what is our motivation to do that? What is our motivation to do that? Now here's the thing. Slander happens in two ways. Two ways. They're the ones who speak slander and then the ones who listen to slander approvingly. Now that's the thing. It's, gossip is one of those things that everybody hates but Everybody enjoys. Gossip is the one thing that nobody likes, but everybody enjoys. And so we go. Oh no, no, no! Tell me more! Tell me more! What is it that you said? What is it that they said? What is it that they did? What is it that they want to do? Tell me more! And beloved, it's slander. You are you are doing damage to your soul and you are doing damage to the soul of another. You are doing violence to another's soul when you speak disparagingly, discouragingly, disrespectfully. It's true, but it's true. Who cares? The point isn't whether it's true. That's why Jesus says, Spe- speak the truth in love. Speak the truth in love. In other words, if you can't tell the truth in love, there's nothing loving about saying I got a a, a weight problem. There's nothing loving about telling somebody else that I have. Do you see? Do you see how? There goes Edwin relapsing again. (sighs) Yeah. Okay. Why would you? Unless you're gathering a group of people to say, Edwin just relapsed. I'm going out there on the street. It's three o'clock in the morning. Would you come with me? Come on, let's go to help him. Let's go to love him. Because he right now he's not even he's not good for himself right now. Let's love him till he can love himself. See, speak the truth in love. We're not so slander. Brothers and sisters, do not slander anyone who speaks against his brother or sister, or judges them. Remember, now we're get not only getting to words, but now we're getting to motives. Because a judgment is something that you do on the inside, right? That's your inside voice. That's what you say about that couple or that single person or that person's weight or that person's clean time or that person's recovery or that person's job performance or that person, right, you, you get what I'm saying. We judge not. Now, it's important. I, gotta, I got to make this clarity because we're in the culture that we're in. When the Bible speaks about not judging, it doesn't speak about discernment. It's not talking about discernment. In other words, there are people who are no. All right. So there are, some of you here are in 12 step circles. Yes. There's a bunch of you here who are in 12-step, A-A-O-A-C-A-N-A, a bunch of you here who are in a, diff- a bunch of different 12-step circles. right? It is good to be able to discern, this person will get me high, drunk, eating, overeating, overspending. This person will get me to my bad habit faster than I will get them to a good habit. So it's not, oh, why are you judging me? No, 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 no. I am discerning. right? Also, also, we have to make the kind of judgments that, if, like, if you have kids, you have to be able to d- discern that spike over there with the leather jacket and the motorcycle can't take your daughter out, with the cigarette in, the 16-year-old with the cigarette in his mouth can't take your daughter out because you discern that that's not going to end well, right? You got to discern those things. You got to, you have to be able to, and then lastly, let me just say, when people say, it's contradictory to say, that you can't judge anybody. It's contradictory to say that. It's contradictory to say that um uh you um that our view of spirituality like you you, you can't like for instance if i see someone far from christ or if i see someone just who doesn't know Jesus, I want to come alongside them, and I want to love them, and I want to tell them, no, Jesus is the way. And you go, no, you can't judge me. You don't know my relationship with God. I'm not doing that. I'm not judging you. I'm not telling you about your relationship with God. What I am saying is that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. Won't you come to Ah, yeah, yeah. But you can't, no. When you can't do that when when people say you can't do that that's a that's a contradiction because what they're saying is that their take on spirituality, which is nobody should talk about their religion, nobody should talk about their uh, relationship with God, trumps your spiritual take, which is everybody who knows Jesus needs to share Jesus with everybody and so we We don't want to, that's not the kind of judging that we're talking about. When we're talking about judging, we're talking about the kind of judging that tears people down. The kind that destroys them. That lifestyle is not for you. It's not, I know the cultural, the culture says that that lifestyle is perfectly normal. I I get that. I'm telling you, it's not, the scriptures say different. And that's not, oh, who are you to judge? No, 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 I love you. I'm coming alongside of you. I'm, listen, I'm broken just like you. Let's walk together. But we're not to judge. When you judge the law, now James is going to give uh, his reasoning behind it. He says when you judge the law, you are, uh, you are not keeping it. In other words, when you're doing this, you're disobeying God. When you judge the law, you are not keeping it, but sitting in judgment on it. Now, this is important, and I'm actually going to labor this for a minute. Why did God give so many laws? In the Old Testament, there's over 600 laws. Anybody know why God gave so many laws? Listen, here's the reason why. God is revealing something about himself when he gives us a law. When God says... Do not murder. God is saying there's something in his nature that thinks that you are valuable. And because that's true, he doesn't want you to harm another person. When God says, do not lie, that's because there's something in God's nature that says he is the truth. And that truth needs to be celebrated and walked in. When God says you see, when God whenever God gives when when God says do not commit adultery. Or don't have sex outside of marriage. It's because he's illustrating that he himself, that Jesus, God the Son, marries his people. He's the husband. We are the bride. And he's trying to say that that your marriage is a declaration to the world about the gospel. So don't desecrate it. You see, God never gives a law without revealing a little bit of himself. So when you and I break the law, we're literally going against the character of God. We're literally telling God, I know better than you. Crazy. But, you know, I got to do that, you know, because I have to tell them, because how else are they going to change? Oh, I know. I know. I know. School is open and you're the teacher, and they're the student, and you have to give them the lesson. And of course, you have to give them the lesson in a way that lets you vent out rage, because everybody knows that humility starts with rage. Oh, my beloved, it's, it's, it's madness. It's madness. When you judge the law, you are not keeping it, but sitting in judgment on it. There is only one lawgiver and judge the one who is able to save and destroy. Now, this is the heart. James never tells us to do something. Like when you read James, you go, oh my gosh, It's it's. you think that James is putting pressure on your will. Be a better person. Don't speak bad about someone. No, 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 no. James is always referring back to, guys, go back to when you reflect on, when you think about, when you worship, when you allow to penetrate the gospel in your heart, what Jesus has done for you, it changes how you view other people. So I want you to see this line. It's such a powerful line. It says, there is only one lawgiver and judge. That's God. The one who is able to save and destroy. Now, here's the thing. You might not like this truth, but God made us. And God can save us or destroy us. Much like if I made a guitar and the guitar came out in such a way that I just, I was like, oh, this is not playing the way I want to. I could literally break it down or destroy it at my will. But if you did that, it would be a serious offense because I made it. Do you understand? Because I'm its maker, I can make whatever decision I want with that guitar. Does that make sense? Okay, beloved. God can do whatever he wants. Now, I want you to see something that's super powerful. God has the power and the authority to save and destroy. And everything in the scriptures say that he should have destroyed you. That you and I should be destroyed by now. That we have run away from God. We have lived away from God. We have decided to tell God that He is not necessary in our lives. And I'm talking about the law abiding citizen who always pays his taxes, who goes to work and does right. You have told God, I don't want, a- you made me, you created me. I don't want to have a personal relationship with you the way you want. I'd rather have a personal relationship with you the way I want. And so I don't want anything to do with you. God has every right to destroy, and yet God chose saving instead of destruction. The only one who has the authority to judge chose saving. So what should those people who follow that one, what should they choose? Are they a thief? Yes, they are a thief. No, but I'm choosing to look at you as a person whose God is pursuing are you a liar? Yes, but I'm choosing to look and I, watch this. And, I, and, I, and when we're talking, I'm not going to do a disservice to you. I go, I, I'm telling you, I think what you're telling me is a lie, but I love you and I don't care. I can't tell you how many times I have to do that. People come in every week. Oh my gosh, it's Satan must have a script that he gives everybody who's using. Because it's crazy. I can't tell you how many people have come to our church. And, you know, you don't have to ask me or anybody who's at there. And here's what happens. They come. Can I speak to a pastor? Well, now we have a, a system for acknowledging that and, and, and all that stuff. But it used to be that I would go out, and I was like, yes, what's the problem? I moved here from Boston, and uh, someone stole my briefcase and my wallet and my finances and my you know everything but my phone right they always have their phone and so someone stole it and I need anybody know what they need money for what good night to get back to Boston right and so we're like sure and it got to the point where we were like okay we'll go with you we'll put you on the bus because it just, it became so silly. It was just like, okay, I'm telling you, you're lying. And, and, and it turns out Boston's only 20 bucks. So I'll pay 20 bucks to at least bring you to the truth because we're going to love you. We're not going to judge you. We're going to go, look, look at me, look at me. I'm the biggest liar in this room. I can smell lies because I know lies because I've lied. I'm the worst person in this room. I'm telling you. Poppy. here's what's going to happen. If we go with you, I'm gonna, if we go with you, we're literally going to wait till the door closes. We're literally going to wait till the door closes and pulls out. We're going to wait till they rip the ticket. We're going to wait. Oh, no, I just need, oh, good night. Because, you know, I got to the point where we would buy the ticket and then they would, they, they, would get, they would get the return and all that other stuff. But here's the thing. Not judging, not slandering, it's, not, it's going, oh, my gosh, Boston again? Holy cow, how many of you guys are there? This is amazing! Oh, of course. Here's the twenty dollars. Gosh, Boston must be missing a lot of people. <laughs> it's not doing that. It's not. The, it's not. It's not checking your brains at the door. It's allowing the spirit of God to move. Going, you know what? And in my heart, I'm gonna allow you to inconvenience my day because Christ was inconvenient. How did Christ go from judging to saving? Not because he denied the truth, but because he embodied the truth and said. Oh, another Bostonite? Oh, oh. I'll pay the ticket. And the ticket cost his blood and all his life. And he gave it. And if Jesus could do that for us, we can then lay down our lives for someone else. You could use your words like Christ to build someone, lift somebody, take somebody up rather than burying them and tearing them down. Beloved, it's your choice. So basically, it looks like this. Your words could be used. Remember, backbiting discourages others and dishonors God. So you could use your words to knock a person down. And you can use your words to keep them down. You can use your words for that. And if you do, may God have mercy on you. May God have mercy on all of us. Or what you could do is take the time, and it takes time, and it takes money, and it takes effort, and it takes inconvenience, and it takes trouble, and it takes, this is the harder way to go, and that's why you can't do this on your own. We need to go to Jesus, find out that Jesus took all the time, all the, how much did it cost to lift you up? How much did it cost to bring you back from the dead? How much did it cost to take you from being, having the devil have his foot on your neck? How much did it cost? It cost him everything. And so if Jesus did this for us, he can do this in us and through us so that we go, oh my gosh, you're a liar like me. Let's do this together. Come, 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 come. And this might take, listen, the process of picking someone up With your words, might take 10 years, 30 years. I don't know. But our words, could you imagine, could you imagine, beloved, could you imagine what our church would be like if all we were is obsessed at blessing each other with our words, speaking the truth in love? Holy cow, you're a bad husband. Me too. Can we do this together? I'm you know, I, I was watching the way you talked to your wife with that joke, and and I was just reminded. It made me want to cry because I was reminded about how terrible I speak to my wife. Could maybe we? Would you be willing to be in a relationship where we can help each other? Could you be willing to be in a relationship where we could help each other? That Jesus could enter our friendship so that our wives don't have to suffer at the back end of our jokes so our wives don't have to be insecure because of our sarcasm. What would it be like if we did that as a family? What would it be like? Here's what it would be like. You would be further along than you are now because there's something about those words that just give steel to your bones. Some of you would experience clean time like you never experienced. Others of you would start to experience the love of God because you're experiencing the love of his body. I'm telling you, we would never be the same. Now, what do I do with all those words that are, te- you know, but it's true. Again, we ask God how their sin reflects our sin. And so when we go to God, if we can, if we can weep over our own sin, the sin that they're doing, because the it's the same as ours, if we can weep about our own sin, then we're qualified to go to the other person and correct and direct them. But we weep over their sin in our lives. And then we go, you're an addict? Me too. You're a relapser? Me too. You struggle with mental illness? Me too. I've believed lies too. You struggle? Listen. You wrestle with weight loss? Me too. You wrestle with feeling ugly? Me too. You wrestle with porn addiction? Me too. You, re- you get where we're going here. God can do it in you and for you. My prayer is that He does it through you as well. Let's stand as we get ready to pray. So, I want you to know, listen to me, I want you to hear these words. God will never leave you, and he will never forsake you. I want you to hear the words that come from God. He'll never leave you, and he'll never forsake you. That he loves you. That for God so loved you, the person wearing your shirt. For God so loved you. he would sacrifice himself for you. That your clean time, I don't care how many relapses you've had, I want you to know God is able to make you whole. He's able to. For those those of you who are struggling in your marriage, I want you to know that God is able to bring together what the whole world wants to tear apart. Beloved, us for you. Listen to the words of God. Let his words penetrate your heart and then let them overflow into the lives of others. Father, I thank you that you love us, that you give us a whole book of words that you wanted us to hear about your love and that even your laws demonstrate who you are and your love for us. Father, I pray as we look today, tomorrow, for the rest of the week that we would not dishonor our sons and daughters, our wives, our that we would not dishonor whether it's true or false, that we would not dishonor our in-laws, grandkids, friends and co-workers that we wouldn't speak it and we wouldn't listen to it, that our lives would be lives that would be categorized by loving words, speaking the truth in love. So Father, would you, in a very real way, draw us to yourself. Help us to experience The saving and not judging that you did. Or I should say, the judgment that you took upon yourself in order to save us. That we would see that and we would be blown away by it. And that we would be willing for others to take the judgment that they deserve for the sake of loving them well. Make that true in our hearts and in our lives. Make it true in our congregation. For we do pray in Jesus' name, amen.